Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to These Are Your Neighbors, a podcast hosted by the City of Bismarck Human Relations Committee and produced by Dakota Media Access. The purpose of the podcast is to show the diversity of your neighbors and to encourage inclusivity among the Bismarck community. Welcome to These Are Your Neighbors, a podcast hosted by Tia Jorgensen and Sarjana Nowitzki, both members of the City of Bismarck's Human Relations Committee. Thank you for joining us as we interview our neighbors who are subject matter experts in diversity, inclusion, accessibility, and equality. Our guest today is Dr. Jacob Retzer. Dr. Jacob Retzer is owner of Unbound Physical Therapy. He grew up in the mountains outside of Albuquerque, New Mexico, where he enjoyed spending time outside hiking, camping, hunting, biking, and snowboarding. When not outside, his time was spent training in martial arts and competing at an international level in Taekwondo. After graduating high school, he attended the University of New Mexico, where he received his bachelor's degree in biology and psychology. Jacob then received his doctorate in physical therapy at the University of Mary in Bismarck. Upon completing his doctorate, Jacob and his family moved to rural Montana, where he honed his skills as a therapist, working with individuals across the lifespan. He was able to work with outdoor athletes, weekend warriors, crossfitters, gymnasts, high school athletes, and those who wanted to get back to daily activities without restriction. Being a primary care provider in a rural area helped solidify the importance of treating the whole person, including nutrition, sleep, mental health, and not just the physical ailments that they were experiencing. After four years in Montana, Jacob decided to move back to Bismarck, where he worked in multiple settings before deciding to open his own clinic. This decision came from the desire to provide individuals with the highest level of one-on-one care, helping them take control of their health. His goal is to help patients alleviate pain, increase performance, and assist them in becoming the best versions of themselves through increased knowledge in various areas of patient care, including strength and conditioning, manual therapy, dry needling, and pain science. He enjoys working with clients of all ages and impairments, but has a high interest in outdoor athletes, especially archery hunters. When not in the clinic, he enjoys being outdoors with his wife and two children, camping, hiking, and hunting. He also enjoys participating in CrossFit and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Welcome, Jacob. Thank you. Glad to be here. All right. First question off the bat. We talked about in your bio that you moved to Montana and after your doctorate. What made you move back to Bismarck? Um, it was a multifactorial um, decision. Uh, when I first graduated, it was very hard to 
find a place to work here as a new grad. Um, so I would have had to work multiple jobs. And uh, so we decided to move out to Polson, Montana, where my grandparents live and uh, worked there for, like I said, for a few years. We decided to move back um, in spring of 2020 um, when kind of everything was going crazy in the world, um, which didn't make it easy, but that's okay. Uh, we, my wife works for Poppy's Promise here in Bismarck and the company was growing and she was going to have to travel quite a bit. Um, and so we kind of sat down and, and thought about what would be best for our family. And so, uh, we also never wanted to leave Bismarck. We really enjoy it here. It's a good family town. And so we decided to move back for mainly for my wife's job. And also my two children both um, have special needs. So um, the therapy is a lot easier to get access to compared to where we were in Montana. So those are the main main reasons why we decided to move back. So how small of city is Polson, Montana? Um, it was during the winter, about 5,000 people. And then during the summer, it swells to about 30 to 35,000. Is it like a Medora town in Montana? Yeah, uh, kinda, yep, yep. We're on the southern end of uh, Flathead Lake. Um, if you know where that is, it's up by Missoula and Kalispell. And uh, lots of outdoor activities. There's a lake there, um, obviously. And also lots of skiing, snowboarding, hunting. So um, a lot of very rural ranch kind of, I would say, what um maybe like Napoleon size? Wow, it's super small to have a physical therapist there. Yeah. And so we, I worked with a, um, it's called St. Luke's Community Hospital, and they're out of Ronan, Montana, which is about twelve to fifteen miles south of where I was. Um, and we are a satellite clinic of theirs, and so it uh, it allowed me to do a lot. Um, and like I said, I I didn't get to treat. I couldn't choose. Like, I want to be an ortho guy or a neuro guy or anything like that. You saw what came in the door, um, which as a new grad was super beneficial, only because I had to take everything I learned from school and use everything. I, I mean, I treated, the youngest I treated was three weeks old. The oldest was 102. Um, I saw everything from uh, post-stroke to total knees to um, concussions, uh, severe uh, head traumas, uh, wound care. Um, and so it was a good way to kind of decide what I liked and what I didn't like. Um, and then I realized that I really like being a general practitioner and kind of helping with uh, general health and mental, physical, um, which is more my passion than just being honed in on one specific skill. I suppose that was easy for you to find then when you had to basically work with every population so it's easier for you to find what you actually liked rather than specifically having to focus in on different things yeah exactly so now that you have your own clinic um one thing that always interests me about being a business owner because the best i could do was my name when i came up with my business how did you come up with the name of your business um so i had a few ideas that i was kind of throwing around when i was um deciding to open my own um one was open open country uh, physio. Um, and then and that kind of just didn't, didn't fit for the, the purpose of what I wanted to do. Um, and I, I came to unbound because for one becoming my type of clinic being that it's a hybrid clinic, more cash based or fee for service base, um, takes the control out of the hands of big corporate medicine and insurance um, and allows it to be put back into the hands of my clients. And so they get to decide on 
what's important and um, what their goals are and how we're going to reach them instead of insurance dictating what we can and can't do, um, which allows my patients to get better faster and spend less money. Um, so kind of becoming unbound from the current medical system we're in is the main reason. Um, and also just for myself, um, just being unbound from pains and um, ailments that we may uh, be having in either physical or mental or spiritual like I try to incorporate all that with my patients as well yeah that's an amazing name and an amazing explanation so what are some benefits and challenges to owning a clinic in a small community like Bismarck um definitely lots of challenges um I'm obviously not from here originally um my family is from Beulah and Hebron so North you know North Dakota wasn't a far stretch for me to kind of put down roots um but definitely some of the challenges that people don't don't know me um as well as you know some other providers in town that have been here longer or grew up here um but the more people I talk to they actually you know they're kind of like well that actually doesn't help sometimes um it can actually be a hindrance so I think that also plays into that I'm I'm new and different um and so maybe have a different way of looking at things um and kind of not part of me maybe like the good old boys club that type of thing i'm kind of on the outs a little bit um so i can kind of try different things and see what works so that's definitely a benefit um yeah and i think the challenge is is that people at least for my business specifically is that people are so used to using uh, insurance as you know if you go to pt or any type of therapy everyone says you know like do you take my insurance and getting people to kind of switch gears and putting it back in their hands um, has been kind of uh, the, probably the biggest challenge um, and the biggest uh, stopping point and sticking point as far as like getting people better uh, and getting them on board with like a plan of care. Um, but, you know, overall, it's not, it's a, Bismarck is a very uh, health conscious town, I feel like, as compared to other places I've lived and been. Um, so it's not too hard to get people kind of on board. It's just, again, getting that brand recognition. And I'm, I'm very small, as he knows, like I'm in a little room. Um, but kind of the way I look at it is it doesn't matter what we have in there as long as we're reaching the goals that the patient has. That's all that matters. Yeah, and, it, you know, you kind of talked about a lot of people don't know you. And uh, I would probably beg to differ because I I am constantly seeing you out in the community, um, volunteering with organizations, supporting races, things like that. Um, you know, if you want to mention or talk about some of the organizations that you support or at, at least tell our listeners why you think it's important as a business owner to be involved in the community. Yeah. Um, so I have obviously been involved with uh, Team Red, White and Blue with Tia, and I also um how, like my wife works for Poppy's Promise. They have a nonprofit that I help with as well. Um, and I've uh, done some stuff with the cystic fibrosis of North Dakota. Um, and, but just in general, being part of the community and kind of my, my goal is to help people become stronger, more resilient, and adaptable in not only their physical aspects, but mental. Um, and just helping them be more well-rounded people. And so being more out in the community and showing, like I try to 
do that for myself as well, grow like self-development and those types of things. But also the only way we see change is by participating in things in the community and helping with uh, individuals and um, community organizations um, to kind of better everything for everybody. Um, So that's, I feel like for any business owner, you should be at least giving back some. Um, We can, you know, there's always the, um, what am I trying to say? The money is the root to all evil and I don't see it as that way. I see it as if I can grow a business and be successful, I can help people even more. Um, And so that's kind of my goal to grow my business and then to give back even more because um, it being grateful and giving back more always makes me feel better. Um, And I don't think that's just me. I think that's for everybody as well. You seem to be very focused on, which is a great thing, um, treatment of the individual. Um, But like, what is the difference if you're treating someone who's very highly active to someone who isn't? Um, So no matter what, I always meet people where they're at. Um, And I always talk about we just have to optimally load people. Um, And so say if someone is very active, we'll say very active CrossFitter and they're in good shape and that loading might have to look differently than someone say who is just starting their um, fitness and health improvement journey of trying to lose weight and getting better metabolic health. That's going to look differently, but the same process goes into both of them uh, of optimally loading their tissues and their, and by that, I, I mean, you know, if we have knee pain, we got to load those musculatures appropriately, or if improving endurance and, and, um, aerobic capacity is the, the goal, then we need to focus on obviously the heart and lungs. And so just loading those different systems appropriately for that person. So, and I came across you um, when you were doing a rucking challenge and I just sort of invited myself and team red, white, and blue along, like literally just said, Hey, we're going to do this with you. Um, and so when I hear rucking, I automatically go to military, right? Um, did not ever consider hunters ruckers. I'll be very honest, probably cause I've never been out there, but you know, so we take rucking as an activity, two different or the same activity, but two different purposes behind it. I'm guessing you see a lot of that within your patients. So, so what are some commonalities that you see in working with such a wide variety of people that you do? Um, I guess at least within my clinic, uh, the people that find me all tend to be, uh, self-driven and, um, kind of self-starters. And so even if they're just wanting to start a journey, they're still taking that first initial step or if they've been training a long time and they just need some guidance. Um, that's kind of my goal is to give, be a facilitator and a guide on to reach their goals and not be the person that they come to, to quote unquote, fix them or anything like that. I look at it as everybody has a body and everybody is an athlete. Um, we're all just at different levels and we all have levels where we want to get to or stay at or maintain. Um, so that's kind of, um, you know, looking at different demographics of even goals. Uh, so for like hunters, I'm sure, you know, being around here, we're used to seeing, and even in Montana and stuff is the, you know, the road hunters that they just jump out of their truck and shoot something real quick. Um, which that's not my style at all. 
Um, I like to go and suffer and go out into the, the back country and put on miles. And so the people that are reaching out to me are more those types. Um, so willing to put in the time and effort and the suffering to get through it, such as with rucking and, uh, or hunting in, in backcountry hunts and things like that. And we, I probably should explain rucking for our listeners if they're not familiar with it, um, is essentially walking with a loaded backpack, I mean, a weight loaded backpack. So military, we carry gear, hunters, I'm assuming carry whatever hunters carry. Uh, so that's what rucking is. Thank you for that. I thought that's what it was, but I'm like, ah, good. Um, so one thing that T and I found super interesting in your bio is that you specifically said that you love working with archery hunters. So why do you love working with them? And are there a lot of archery hunters in the area? Um, so I grew up in New Mexico, um, and the only thing my, my dad loved to archery hunt elk. And so that's all I did from when I was... I think the first time he took me out, I was like six until I graduated high school. And then once I got to college, it was kind of hard to get out as much as I'd like to. Um, but my dad grew up here in Hedinger in North Dakota and was used to, you know, rifle hunting. And then he got into archery down there and never looked back and never did any rifle or anything after that. So that's all I ever really knew. And so I got tied in with that group of hunters and um, then moving to Montana, there was a lot of archery out there, a lot of hunters. And then moving here, I was, you know, moving back, I wasn't sure if there was a big group here, but I knew down at like Nishu, um, at the archery range, there was, um, it's a junior Olympic group that shoots and stuff. And so I, I got tied in with that group and I, I help um, kind of do injury checks weekly or bi-weekly with them. Uh, and actually there's a, a fairly big population within North Dakota that um, that at least shoots archery um, and then also archery hunts as well, um, varying from doing like I like to do, which is spot and stock, which is kind of chasing animals down or um, stand hunting or tree stand hunting. Um, so there's various different ways about doing it. Um, I you know, I can't put a finger on what's more popular, but it's definitely growing in popularity. And I think just overall, the hunting that I've done, uh, I'd have to say going after mule deer out in the Badlands is probably one of the hardest. Um, and so I think you get a lot of guys out there that are trying to kind of punch that tag as well. So something I think that is probably why I connect so well with you and I respect you so much is your mentality about treating the whole person and not just their ailment. Why is that so important to you? Um, so in, in school, we talk about the biopsychosocial model of the treatment of patients. Um, the bio part being your biomechanical, uh, psycho, you know, the brain and, um, mental health, and then a social with dealing with, you know, their social atmosphere, um, at home, at work, wherever they're at. Um, the corporate side, the corporate medicine or mainstream medicine still is, they say they use that model, but from what I can tell is they're still just very focused on the biomechanical model. If you go in to see your ortho or even your, you know, urgent care or primary care, most of the time they're just like, oh, you have knee pain. Well, let's just focus on that knee pain. Uh, where I look at it as like, okay, you, you have knee pain uh, and you want to get rid of it. I understand that. But why is that important? And from that why, we have to dig a little bit deeper on, so if they have knee pain and, you know, 
I want to get back to running. Well, okay, why is running important? Well, running is important because over the last two years, I've lost 30 pounds by doing my running. And now I can't run and I'm gaining weight. Okay, so there's a why. And I always go one more why deep. And why is it important to keep that weight off? Well, my, you know, I want to be healthier for my kids and my family. And so actually getting to the deeper layers of why it's important to take care of that knee pain. It's not truly the knee pain that matters. It's the fact that they want to take care of their family. And looking at that, I also go into, you know, for having an injury or especially chronic pain is a huge one, um, chronic back pain. I always look at, okay, what are the stressors of life? Because we only have so much in a glass that we can keep filling up before it overflows. And if we don't focus on not just the physical aspect, but also our mental aspect, um, we can have physiological responses to stressors in life, um, which creates you know more pain, which creates more fear and more avoidance of activity. Um, so just incorporating all that um, helps not only me to get help them get better, but also gives them kind of the reins of steering steering the boat or still in the cart where where we need to go yeah i think it's always important to ask why multiple times so um another thing that you mentioned is that you are compete in martial arts and we know you continue to do that through badlands submission grappling can you talk to us about the experience as far as martial art goes and the benefits of training in that yeah um so i started training when i was four years old um in Albuquerque, New Mexico, um, at my school is Takimine uh, Taekwondo and Karate. Um, from there, I trained up until about eight. I didn't take it too seriously. And then I got to the point where my dad was like, okay, you're doing too many activities. You need to decide on one. And so I really liked um, kicking and hitting people. <laughs> so I stuck with that. Um, and so from then, I really focused on um training in sport taekwondo um and i when i got to 12 i was on the junior national team and then from 14 to 19 i was on the au national team um competed um uh, all around the u.s to uh various countries as well um and that just in general martial arts is good for obviously you know discipline um, staying focused, uh, getting out energy to get in better shape and also mental clarity as well. Um, I look at it as doing hard things makes life easier. So if we can do hard things every day or at least most days of the week, our day-to-day stresses aren't going to you know, throw us off. Um, and now incorporating, now I do a lot more um, jujitsu or grappling and that is a totally different realm because before I did a lot of mainly striking and then going into mainly ground uh, stuff uh, takes a totally different part of your brain to start working. And so uh, I'm a big proponent if people can do jujitsu, um, they should. Everyone should at least try it. Um, it's it's for anyone, but it's not for everyone. Um, and so if people don't like it, that's totally fine. But I always tell people to at least give it a shot. Because uh, you, you get put in different positions that you might not otherwise um, be put in and realize how strong you really are mentally. Uh, you get, you know, pinned down by big guys or those types of things. I make my wife do stuff with me and she's claustrophobic. And so she hates that, you know, if I'm putting pressure on her and holding her down because she was always like, oh, I'll just, you know, 
kick him in the groin and run away. And I'm like, well, that works in the movies, but that doesn't work in real life. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's good to get out of your comfort zone. But then also jujitsu is kind of playing chess um, with another person. Um, So you get to kind of work. Yeah, you know, if you have a goal, you know, a, a move you want to do, you might have to try three or four different ways to get there, but then you end up getting there. Um, and so just in general, martial arts is a great way to um, increase your knowledge of your body and um, mental uh, strengths and physical strengths. And uh, again, just also being part of a community. Um, I have a great group of guys that we are with now and we all hold each other accountable. And so there's the accountability aspect. There's the pushing each other to be better. Um, and then just having, you have a group of guys, we'd love to have girls, but none have really wanted to stick around with us. So it's not, not just guys. Um, but we, are all from different walks of life as well. Um, we have some guys that are, you know, you know, getting close to 50 to the youngest guy we got is, um, 16. And so you're all on the mats together. And so there's no like specific person that is best for a for martial arts. So you get to you through all walks of life. So lots of diversity. And when you're on the mats, no one cares, you know, who you voted for or how much money you make or anything like that, because we're all there just, to learn and have fun together. And I think that's what's in, like with jujitsu, you mentioned there's not a lot of females or that they don't stick around. And I think um, as a female who has done jujitsu in the past, when you walk in and you're the only one there, it can be uh, extremely uncomfortable because of the type of positioning and um, just strength dynamics and everything like that. But I think that if you can, if you do enjoy it and you stick it out just a couple times and you bring another one, um, I, I would recommend to any females who have any interest in it, give it at least, you know, three, four or five times before you make that decision. Like, no, this is not for me. So, um, but I do want to circle back to your clinic. Mm-hmm. Um, tell our listeners about the different types of care that you provide to your patients. Um, as in, so I think a lot of people think of physical therapists as just like for me, it was always in a hospital setting and they were very specifically using maybe just ultrasound sure. wand on me. So what are the different things that your patients do in your clinic? Sure, sure. Um, so yeah, when we look at physical therapy in general, it's a huge scope of practice. Um, and kind of like, I, if you've been with one therapist, you've been with one therapist because we can kind of pick and choose what we like to do and also what we feel is appropriate. So from one patient to the next, I might be doing something completely different because of where they are and in the, you know, in rehab or in life too. Um, there are certain things like I don't do a whole lot of modalities. Um, I just haven't seen the results there to make me spend my time on, on those things. A lot of those things people can buy off Amazon and I can teach you how to use the machine and you can do it for yourself um, as long as we're staying safe. Uh, I tend to be, I'm a, uh, exercise and manual based therapist. So I tend to give more exercises to people that way they can take it into their hands on, on their recovery and, uh, getting better along with, I do do manipulation, uh, or chiropractors call it adjustments, um, joint mobilization, soft tissue stuff, such as cupping or grasped in, um, and then, 
uh, also dry needling as well. I tend to use those kind of at the beginning, like if we're experiencing a lot of pain or chronic pain, whether it be chronic or acute, um, but then really moving into um, the optimal loading of those tissues to get the biggest bang for our buck because I mean, the research shows that those that exercise or that or PTs that use exercise more tend to have better results. Now, you also have to have the buy-in from your patient that they're actually going to do it and follow through with it because if they don't, then they're in the same boat. Um, but that's how I tend to treat more and also uh, teaching people different techniques to take care of themselves. I, I'm big on mobility and um, and education as well of teaching how the body works because um, I, I, I look at it as like if you have a car, nowadays cars are getting a little... A, you know above you know baseline level so it's kind of hard to work on your own car anymore but before you know it's like okay i need to change my oil or i need to change my tire you should know how to do those basic things and i look at the body the same way you should know what good movement looks like what bad movement looks like and possibly have some tools that we can use before you come and see me I can teach someone, you know, something for their shoulder that can also be used for their hip. And if it gets better, that's great. They're doing exactly what I asked them to do. Now, if it doesn't get better, then they call me and let's we'll set up an appointment and we'll kind of figure out where where we need to go. And I think that's what I like about working with you so much is as someone who one, I have I have a fairly solid knowledge base of fitness, the body, everything like that. But I have things, injuries that I do need assistance with, but, and I don't want to like generalize for every other physical therapist because that's not true. But <laughs> with you, I feel like when you're giving me exercises to do, I still feel like I'm working out. I don't feel like I'm just standing at home in front of the TV doing something. I feel like you provide resources that your patients can utilize throughout their current training plan and everything like that. So, um, and speaking of being your patient, I know that getting to see you weekly is a privilege that not everybody has. Um, what are some barriers to care that you've seen in your time owning the clinic? And how do you think the community or individuals can help overcome some of those barriers? Um, I think kind of the, uh, the biggest barrier right now is uh, the insurance talk right is that people if they're like well you don't take my insurance so i don't know if i want to do this um i think if people look at how much they um invest in other areas of their life that they could put toward you know if they're dealing with chronic back pain that they've been dealing with for 10 years and don't want to put the money forward because either way even with insurance if you haven't made your deductible you're still paying out of pocket anyways so why not use your dollars to the best of your ability and get the care you need and also at a a, a better rate than through insurance um by paying you know out of pocket um with that you're putting if you're paying it then you're you got some skin in the game so you're going to put the work into it so i think if people kind of look at how much they spend on Starbucks per month or on, you know, various things that, you know, aren't fully needed where you could spend that on, you know, seeing a therapist like me where we're paying, yes, it's out of your pocket, but you're going to get the results you want faster. Um, Cause most PT clinics you go into, I call them PT mills. They are going to see you two to three times a week for six to eight weeks 
and that's about it. Well, that's not a rehab model, that's a business model. And so and with my patients, we work together on what the best you know plan is for them. Um, and then also um, doing, you know, I obviously myself, I do various types of package deals and then also, you know, different payment plans. So it's not like you have to pay it all up front. You know, you can pay at different times or we can set up a payment plan. So there's I think people need to look at it as more an investment in themselves instead of like, oh, I'm just paying to get better, if that makes sense. It, it does. Yeah. All right. So we are already out of time. So thank you so much. Um, the last question we ask everyone is the same question, and it's how would you encourage your neighbor to create an atmosphere of inclusion, equality, diversity, and accessibility? My big thing is, like I teach my kids, is the golden rule, is just treat people the way you want to be treated. Um, I When I first moved here, I came from New Mexico, obviously, and had New Mexico plates and New Mexico driver's license. And when I moved here, everybody thought I was here for oil. And I mean, which understandable because that's just, you know, the time it was. Um, but then, you know, when you tell them, well, I'm here for PT school and, you know, then their tune totally changed. So looking at it, maybe not as, you know, just again, looking at somebody by the, you know, uh, the book, you know, the cover of the book, but actually getting to know them and have empathy and just, again, treat people as you would want to be treated and you really can't go wrong. Be curious, not judgmental. Absolutely. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in to These Are Your Neighbors with our guest today, Dr. Jacob Retzer. Thank you for wanting to get to know your neighbors as we hold these important and necessary conversations. If you found this conversation as important as we do, please make sure to share it with your neighbors. Thank you for tuning in to These Are Your Neighbors, a podcast hosted by the City of Bismarck Human Relations Committee and produced by Dakota Media Access. The purpose of the Bismarck Human Relations Committee is to create an atmosphere of inclusion, equality, and accessibility through education and outreach to recognize the value of a diverse community. For more information about the Human Relations Committee, visit BismarckND.gov.